Hi, this is Christina West with Christina West Art, and today we're going to be talking about art and healing. Particularly, we're talking about contemplative arts, resurrecting our art practice after a year of COVID. What is contemplative art? A sort of meditation practice in relationship to art making. Contemplative arts have been practiced from the very beginning. This is not a new thing. But after a year of COVID and shutdown and loneliness and death and now resurrection, I think it's a good time to talk about contemplative arts and how we can use contemplation as a way in, a way into our deeper soul story and also how to stitch up the fabric of our lives. We have to honor the tremendous grief that the world has undergone in this very rare experience of COVID. We have all suffered loss, tragedy, loss of house, perhaps our beloved, our job. There's been a tremendous inner practice of having to live in not knowing, letting go, and trying to sustain our inner self, our I consciousness, in the face of anxiety. Now, we are all waking up out of Sleeping Beauty's bed, you know, gazing around, Goldilocks, you know, this bed's too soft, this bed's too hard. And we've come to a much deeper understanding of how precious life is, how sweet life is, how tender the little hellos and goodbyes and how are yous and oh, let me get that for you if you can't reach that shelf that happen now after COVID, post-COVID etiquette. So we can't go back to the before. The before has been absolutely wiped out. So it's an interesting dilemma that the world is facing. All the individual human beings are facing this same question. So I am not alone. You are not alone in facing this question. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? How am I going to reimagine my life? Is my life going to be the pursuit of money? Is my life going to be the pursuit of fame? Is my life going to be the pursuit of happiness? Is my life going to be the pursuit of loving? There's many pursuits. And as an artist, as a lifelong artist and dream worker and dream teacher, and meditator, 
I have long used mindfulness techniques to use in my daily practice in the art of living. We want to think about new ways in which we can implement real, creative, healthy habits and look at what our habitual thinking, where that led us, you know, before the COVID year, you know, we're all going to jail, you know, we're going to be alone. And now we've got to get out of jail free card if we're still alive and we're functioning. Now, so many of us lost businesses, we've lost homes, we've lost loved ones, perhaps divorce. And irregardless of the maybe outer personal relationships, we've all been part of the loss of hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people who have crossed the threshold. So our ancestors are now on the other side, and we can remember that they are always with us and can give us help when we ask for it and think about them with loving thoughts. So I myself have am facing this same question. Who am I? What wants to come through? And I realized that in my painting practice, I did one painting called Michael and the Feather of Matt, Weighing the Souls. And this painting I did, this contemplative arts painting I did in, in my attempt to confront and penetrate the tremendous grief of the souls leaving the planet. And all those souls, as we, we read about in the cross-cultural traditions or the fables or the myths and legends, is that the, the soul is weighed, you know, on a scale to see how much good and how much unhealthiness is in the heart. So Mat, M-A-A-T, was the goddess of truth and wisdom, and she correlates to the great Sophia. And when a soul crossed over the threshold, this is the Egyptian traditions, Mat would has the white plumed feather, and she would put it on the scale, and then your heart would also be placed on the scale of Mat. And if it, if it carried, if it was the same weight as the feather, you could cross into the underworld consciously. If it was not, then we can imagine that we might have some trials in our afterlife, in our kamaloka. And as I did this painting, which was a contemplative, I guess the buzzwords now are, is intuitive art, and as a precognitive dreamer, of course, I live in the future because every day as a normal practice, I'm just dreaming what's coming. 
from the future. So many dreamers have to face um, the future actually before it comes, and that can be scary for some, but as a practice that happens every night, one can build up courage. And so what I found happened, uh, painting that painting, was all these black crosses. And I have pretty much stayed away from black. I like mixing a dark color, but black has never been um, a favorite, a personal favorite. But again, what arose in this facing into this world dilemma, this world tragedy, this world becoming of the crossing of souls, was that I could not help but constantly consider praying for the people who are suffering. And so in the painting, there's many, many crosses lifting off sort of from the bottom of the composition up into the top of the, the landscape of the painting. And I have to say, as you know, someone who has done contemplative arts my whole life, who have also worked with shamans and been a teacher in doing gender, men and women's work, and working with people, that this brought me to a deeper understanding of my own personal life story, but also in the quiet penetration of my heart I prayed that I could be with or send hope, send love to those who have crossed over and are still alive. They're just not in the body. And the ancestors are now crowding in a circle of light we can consider around the planet. And they're here to help us. So a contemplative arts journey working with your ancestors this year might be for some people a very deep spiritual renewal that will help support reimagining our lives. The question might arise, you know, what is a contemplative arts practice? How does one actually uh, come up with an idea for a painting, for a theme, for a story, for an idea. And, you know, we have the, all these new buzzwords now about storytelling. But let's face it, art is storytelling. Art's always been storytelling. Art has been a healing modality since the beginning. So we aren't really in reinventing the wheel, but I will say that if one has a spiritual practice irregardless of what, what, what it is, just a solid spiritual practice that works for them. Their, whatever their area of study, if it's fairy tales, if it's cross-cultural traditions, if it's shamanism, if it's flower arranging, the art of, you know, 
extreme beauty of flower arranging, singing, dancing, all these things can be uh, very defa- you know devout spiritual practices. So typically there's something in the soul that's sort of nudging us, nudging us, tapping us on the shoulder. But if we're busy trying to fill this space, our interior chamber, that's meant to be clean, you know, dusted, (laughs) swept out, and quiet, if we're filling that with, I got to make product, I've got to do something, I've got to show up, I've got to be on Facebook, I got to show how cool I am, I've got to get, you know, more people so I look successful. A contemplative artist probably will not be looking successful on social media because it's an inner journey of your soul and how that touches you and changes you and shapeshifts you. And those people that are drawn to a contemplative practice are many times solitude, solitary people. And even if they're in a relationship, they're men and women who like the deep dive of inner quiet because it's in the inner quiet of our not knowing that these uh, taps on the shoulder from the spiritual world, taps on the shoulder from our ancestors, taps on the shoulder from coincidence or synchronicity or whatever you call it, the anima mundi of the world, the world soul can come to us. So the painting that I painted um, was the Michael painting that I do every year. It's a series, a thematic annual series that I do, and I never know what it's going to be. And that painting actually was, which is not really unusual, is what I call the shaman's eye, that the painting actually, without my knowing it at the time, gave me a picture of what was coming for my future as well, which I won't go into in this podcast. Many times I'll, I'll paint. I'll paint every day as a practice. And I can have 20 or 30 or 40 paintings move through. And they're not, I don't finish them. I don't keep them. I just work in color. And that's a part of my a contemplative arts practice. To keep uh, the metamorphosis of a painting going. Now, I don't do that with everything, of course, because then you would never have a still painting to contemplate, but it is a way in which to keep my energy moving, especially after uh, this COVID experience we've had. I don't feel, for me, that it's the time to, you know, buckle down and start work and figure out my life in the painting and the writing and I've got some things of course I'm working on but I don't want to fall back into my old 
patterns of behavior. I want to give myself time to rest. And I, and I know what you're thinking. Nobody rested during COVID, even if they were in lockdown. People were, you know, and are exhausted. In America, we had four years of uh, craziness. And that's been so traumatic for, for many people, for many reasons. And then to top that off with this extreme fear that so many people suffered and deaths. And now um, just coming out, taking off the mask, which is a great metaphor for exactly what we're doing, is taking off the old masks, breaking through the old personas. And who are you going to be now? Who are you really going to be? What are you going to stand on? What is your inner relationship to people around you after this tremendous he said, she said, I'm right, you're wrong? You know, we cannot continue this lack of critical thinking. And critical thinking means to be able to see two sides of any story or perhaps 12 sides to the story because you know, things shapeshift and move. And we have to forgive ourselves for what we can and can't do and just say, okay, this is what is now. And how can I move forward in a more loving way? And the easiest way as an artist is to, you know, write. If you do morning pages, if you do a journal, but you know, there's so much um, permission now for artists to sort of do any kind of art. And there's a lot of what I call, and I'm hopefully, you know, I can hurt your feelings if it's you're one of these artists. But I call it splodge painting or splodge art, S-P-L-O-D-G-E. And that was also a catch term from a friend of mine from England who that every kind of food tasted the same. You know, there's excellent Italian food and there's splodge Italian food. And there's a lot of splodge art right now. And it's... Um, well, it is. It's it, it's a expression of what lives in people. It's expressive arts, but contemplative arts is not a sort of anything goes in the internal. There's typically a question, a deeper question that lives in the heart, and painting or drawing can be a way forward to working co-creatively with the spiritual worlds. And when I say that, many people can shut down, turn off the switch, or lean into it very eagerly, like I'm going to tell some secret. But the contemplation of the heart is long-term, it's gradual. It's 
like a bee collecting pollen. It takes a long, long time to grow up and grow into the call and response of the artist and the gods, of the creators and the great creatrix beings, of the high archetypes or the angeloi or the archai and the human heart. And it really depends on the purity of the heart, how we have let go of artifice and vanity and pride and arrogance and meanness and one-upmanship and I've got to have all the attention and you scare me because, you know, I'm not going to let you in because, you know, I'm jealous. I want your job. All those, uh, you know, human nature, the sort of dross of human nature has to be cleaned up. And that's why we pick usually one bad habit at a time and we just sort of cultivate We sift the soul and see, ask questions in relationship to that to see if we can uh, transform that into something else. Let it go. Create space. Because the more inner space of quiet, of real quiet, of deep calm, of not knowing, that's the muscle that has to be developed to become a successful contemplative artist and that doesn't mean you sell your paintings that means that you have a ongoing conversation or dialogue with the the other side which with the the spirit of the world so it might be something for you to consider developing a part of your art practice that's contemplative So say you're a figurative artist and you do portraits and that's what you want to do. Why don't you, you know, one painting out of seven, you're going to do something completely different and work in a different way. And what's great about this is it breaks up the consolidated artistic view of who you think you are. And that's one of the reasons I do uh, morning painting or I have an outside studio. And... It just, it's set up with, uh, you know, heavy duty plastic. I've had it for years. I've had it on a wall in an apartment. Uh, When I was in Berkeley, I had it somewhere else. And then when I moved here back home, um, it's outside. But these areas that we can relax and make a mess are really this sort of creative chaos that you know, Bina, who is the mother of the world in the Kabbalah, you know, she's right next to Quiploth, which is chaos, because out of chaos, everything is born. And I'm not saying that your life needs to be chaos, but there's got to be an area in your art that you have the inner freedom to experiment, to fail millions of times this this works and through that oh this works this doesn't work so well this was a terrible week oh this was not so bad 
there's a thread that runs that really has nothing to do with you personally. That's more your transpersonal self is learning to walk a road of discipline that's different from I've got to make, you know, really cool abstract art or I'm going to make great figurative art or I'm going to be the person who makes all the horses with, you know, an owl on its back or, or whatever the deal now. So the problem with copying all these artists who were famous is that it just dilutes the energy because we really don't know who we are if we're just copying copies of copies of copies of paintings. So that's actually the point of contemplative arts is to deconstruct the self that we prop up with our tricks and goodies and how we do things and see if we can allow, even for short periods of time, a different kind of conversation that's in a deeper strata of our being. It brings great joy. It transforms our, our what, how would I say it, My, our emotional muscles that we stand solidly between the two worlds of liminal space, that which is created and that which is not yet created. So we begin to feel the future coming to us and we can start moving and bringing into form seeds of the future that have huge potential, not just for us, but for others. And I think for now, I'm going to end there. This has been lovely to come back after a long break. And my first podcast on art and healing is starting a contemplative arts practice, a dialogue with the deep self. This is Christina West. I have a new website, christinawestart.com, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-A. W-E-S-T-A-R-T, Christina Westart. I have 40 years of paintings that are going to be offered, some of them on the shop in originals and some as prints. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get creative. Don't forget, you can get my two books on Amazon. Alchemy, the Magical Arts of the Union of Soul, which is the work I did with gender work, men and women's groups for years. It's a workbook for groups. And also Olaf Osteson, the Holy Knights Art and Dream workshop book. Thank you so much for listening.